0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
1: It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, and I am not taking the bait. I'm in a great mood on this Tuesday night, and my co-host Jordan Renan trying to stir things up with a Knicks towel right over his shoulder. <laughs> you don't want to start that? a beef. It's too What's early in that? the show for us to be beefing, and it is not even the NBA season.
2: This is like 90s beef, by the yeah, way. Yeah,
1: this is <laughs> night. We're going back to Starks and Ron Harper and... um. We will be talking a little bit of Knicks and Bulls later in the show, though, so there's a tease for you. It's Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Jordan Renan in for Fitz tonight. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. We're going to start with football, and it's not quite the team that Jordan covers, but it's real close. The New York Jets announced that quarterback Zach Wilson had surgery for his right knee, they deemed it a success. Now, originally when he went out of the game uh the other day, the original claim was, This is great, it's not an ACL, it, it's probably some other part of his knee, but we expect him not to be out too long. This is all good news. Then things started to get a little dicey, Jordan, because the expectation was if you go in there and it is a meniscus tear, maybe you get two to four. If you go in and it's worse, or there's complications, it could be even longer. Now, they didn't find anything worse than a torn meniscus, but they are not expecting him to be back in the two- to four-week range that they originally thought. More likely that it'll be, you know, after week one for sure and potentially even longer into the season. Joe Flacco season. Yeah, what a tough way to start for the Jets.
2: (laughs) I mean, definitely not ideal. First of all, you don't want to lose your quarterback. But, I mean, we were talking about this before. There's no reason to rush Zach Wilson back, you know, to be back just for week one. And then, you know, maybe he's not 100%. He's still getting back. Like, take your time with him. If he plays 14 games, that's fine, right? If you start at week three or four. Like, it's not, it's not the end of the world. Just make sure he's healthy when he comes back. Because the Jets, We look, you have to be realistic. We know. The Jets aren't winning anything, right? I mean, what are the Jets winning? They're, not, they're a Super Bowl contender.
1: Uh, the number one draft pick.
2: Yeah, <laughs> if Joe Flacco plays the whole season, that's not out of the realm, the, the range of outcomes. I, I, I agree with you there.
1: So just be, you know, yeah. be
2: safe with him. You know, take it, give him a few weeks extra. Make sure he comes back. He's 100. percent This way, you can get the evaluation that they're hoping to get this year because they need to know that they, they surrounded him with weapons. Now it's time to find out. Okay, what do we have with Zach Wilson? I've heard from people over there. There's. There's some questions about Zach Wilson. Mm. Forget the knee, but is he yeah. good enough in the first place? How there's about the arm? How about the
1: arm? How about, the arm? how about the brain? How about everything else? Yeah. yeah and and missing, missing camp doesn't help because when he does get healthy enough to get back in there, now you're in live game action, mid-season, where it matters. And so – not having the opportunity to work through the rest of camp is is a problem for as Not much studying as he can do. Uh, you are taking it pretty well because you don't live and die by the Jets. Neither do I. Thank goodness for both of us. But you know who does? Mike Greenberg. And he was on Get Up talking to Chris Canty. And uh, it went about as you'd expect.
3: Will you excuse me for a moment while my head explodes? Because the Jets have drafted in the last five years a quarterback at number three and at number two. Mm -hmm. Are they now going to take one at number one as well in in a five-year stretch? It is already unprecedented. You're telling me that there is
0: already reason to be thinking about whether or not the Jets will give up on Zach Wilson after this year. Yeah, there's no question about it in my mind, Greeny, because you're talking about the opportunity cost of it all. Do you want to be in a position that the New York Giants are in with Daniel Jones where they passed on Justin Herbert thinking that they had their franchise quarterback? No, you don't want to do that. So this is something that the Jets would have to consider. And let's also keep this in mind. If Zach Wilson has a terrible year because of injury or otherwise, then not only are you talking about a new quarterback, you're probably talking about a new general manager too. Oh, the
1: Giants caught a stray there. <laughs>
2: yeah, he did. I was thinking that at the time. Ouch. <laughs> Chris Canty with his former team. By the way, which is what I love about Canty is he's honest and he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't, doesn't sugarcoat. Hold back. Even when he has to go and, you know, uh, cozy up to some people in the, in the Giants organization afterwards, he's still not afraid to say that. But no, let me just say this. I understand where Greeny is coming from because I have family that are Jet fans too. And if you think about it, I mean – Greene's entire life they've been searching for a quarterback. I mm. mean, seriously, the best quarterback that Greene has seen the Jets probably in his entire life, assuming you know, Joe Namath was before his time, which I believe it was, uh, you know, then you're talking about like Chad Pennington. Like the best quarterback of the last forty years for the Oof. New York Jets is Chad Pennington. Like that's the best they got. It's t- I'm gonna ask you not to disrespect Chad Pennington right now. I like I like Chad Pennington. Chad I mean, Pennington what about Mark, got a what about Mark
1: Sanchez and the run that he and Rex Ryan's tattoo took together?
2: I mean, was that because of Mark Sanchez? He did make two championships. No. I get it in the yeah, first two I, years. But Mark Sanchez it, wasn't a high-level quarterback. Never made yeah. a pro Bowl. Never came close. Chad Pennington actually did. He was actually a good quarterback. He played a championship game. I believe it was with a torn rotator cuff or elbow. And basically, he couldn't throw after that, after he had this. So, basically, he tried to play through and... What he get for it? He basically, you know, ruined his high-level career, which was yeah. pretty good at the time. But still, you know, most franchises in the last forty years at least had one, you know, star quarterback. And Chad Pennington is what we're talking about here. So yeah. I get it's Greeny's very depressing.
1: It's very. I don't blame Greeny one bit, and I do think what what hurts the most is recognizing that the decision makers aren't good. And so even if you get another swing in it, they probably won't get it right. And that's how you feel when your team is drafted at three and two, and now you're staring down at one and thinking, even if we get it, we're not going to do the right thing with it. Uh, What this does set up, it's Spain and Fitz, by the way. Sarah Spain, Jordan Renan in for Fitz tonight on ESPN Radio. It sets up a very spicy week one in the NFL because we now know it is almost certainly going to be Joe Flacco playing his old team in the Baltimore Ravens. We've got Russell Wilson playing his old team in the Seahawks. We most likely will have Baker Mayfield playing the Browns. I'm I'm looking around. Yeah, I mean, is yeah. there any other opportunity, if someone gets injured, for us to get some, you know, good breakup sex? Revenge season, Sam. <laughs> well, you say revenge season. I go breakup sex. I don't know why I went there. I don't think there will be any fornicating on the field. But someone will get effed by by uh, their former quarterback in week one. I was one. keeping
2: it clean here. I thought, I, you know, I, I'm a fill-in. I, I don't want to get thrown it's off seven, the show and never It's 7, never 7 it p.m. Back
1: Eastern. Okay, it's 7 p.m. Eastern. We do things a little differently around here. Spain, after it is dark, a Tuesday is at? Not oh. a— not not a friday so we got to keep it tight espn radio is presented by progressive insurance get renters insurance to protect the things that make your place a home including coverage for theft or damage visit progressive.com yeah so bad news for the jets and we were talking about this yesterday i mean this is a team that usually waits a few weeks in to realize that their season is killed maybe they're just getting a head start this year um, you know, maybe they're just Poor, giving, up, Poor, giving up, giving up hope before they chance. ever have a chance uh, to have any. Uh, we need to talk about some baseball stories. There are plenty around the uh, around the horn, around the uh, baseball world today. So we're going to get into it next with quickies.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, not Sarah. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm Jordan, gonna Renan. try. I'm going to try. I'm going <laughs> to warn you,
2: Sarah, that, that was my. Good daughter and my wife yell at me all the time because my daughter has a friend named Sarah, and I, I pronounce it wrong constantly. I, I try to get it right, and I just I can't. I'm used I to it. Uh,
1: the realities and the other New Yorkers of our business have more often than not called me Sarah, so I'm all just right. used so to I'm it So I'm not alone now. because- You're you not know, alone. My,
2: my wife and daughter live up here in the Northeast in New Jersey, and- And they like think I'm an alien for saying it. Listen, I I
1: went to I uh, I went to college up in uh, Ithaca, New York, at Cornell University. And after coming from the Midwest, it was my first just mess mess of Long Islanders and New Yorkers. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I'm hearing all these versions of of speech that I have never heard before. Uh, And I also noticed leaving Chicago, how many of my friends had very strong Chicago accents that I didn't notice until I left. And then I, I look great, like, oh, I wow. I
2: never, I never knew a New Jersey accent existed until I went to college.
1: Right, right. Like, and that didn't you, even register. You notice, like, what when do you, you mean? call home that yeah. <laughs> it's happening. What do you mean, in a New oh. Jersey
2: accent? We don't talk like New York.
1: Oh, but, well, yeah. New Yorkers are all up in their feelings about the, the Yankees not being quite as strong since the break as they yeah. were before. But there That's are other being. teams suffering as well. Let's get into it with some MLB quickies.
0: Quickies with Spain and Fitz. We get in and out of topics fast.
1: One of the biggest stories, Los Angeles starter Walker Walker Bueller. uh, Season-ending elbow surgery next week. This came from the Dodgers yesterday. This, of course, hits extra hard because Clayton Kershaw, injuries to other starters that have been in and out of the lineup, and the the Dodgers were not able to get the arm that they were pursuing at the trade deadline. David Coney, ESPN MLB, and YES Network Analyst was on with Barton Hahn talking about Walker Bueller's injury.
3: The Dodgers starting rotation is not something that you look at and
1: you go, uh-oh, uh, mm. they're, they, you know, they're, they're going to dominate.
3: So that might be the one weakness they have now. And Walker Bueller was that shutdown guy, a guy who could throw 100 miles an hour. And Clayton Kershaw has that Cooperstown curveball. He, he could shut you down. So you know, it, it, does, it does leave you wondering if the Dodgers have enough, it's certainly in the rotation.
1: You know, Jordan, the Dodgers have the highest winning percentage. They've got the lowest ERA in the major leagues, even though they've got 11 pitchers currently on their injured list. Um, But there is something about the postseason where you just understand the value of the arms that you know you can send out there against the best players on the other team and get it done. And that's, I think, where the concern comes from, despite the Dodgers just blowing through opponents and their division.
2: I know they're crushing everybody, but I actually, especially after hearing this and knowing Kershaw is still dealing with an injury, and he's really more of a six-inning guy kind of guy at this point of his career anyway. Like, And I, know I get it. You know, Urias, Gonsolin, Tyler Anderson, they've been amazing this year. But in the playoffs, you want those stud pitchers. And so the Mets now have those stud pitchers. And trust me, I'm a Yankee fan, so it hurts me to say that. <laughs> but to me, the, it almost makes – and I know the Dodgers have the better, more well-rounded team. But in the playoffs, to have those stud pitchers matters. It almost yeah. makes, in my mind, the Mets the favorite, even though the Dodgers Ooh. are the best team by far in the regular season.
1: That is an interesting uh, – the good take, hot take segment is later. Uh, so oh, you gotta okay. Save, you got to save I them. I jumped sticks. the gun. Uh. Well, I, t- I, should,
2: I tried to tell you before when we started I wanted to say –
1: there we go. There we go. I'm less talented and not as
2: smart as Fitz, so I'm less talented, less musically inclined, and not a smart replacement. So Don't sell the. short. I jumped You're a tremendous
1: a slouch. All right, next story.
2: Quickies. Uh,
1: Fernando Tatis Sr. not making things better for his son. No, he's not. First they come out with the, well, I was taking this particular drug for ringworm and somehow ended up with an anabolic steroid. Which, according to most people, uh, was the result of them Googling the wrong steroid he tested positive for and coming up with the wrong excuse. So now, Tati Sr. was on a show in his native Dominican Republic called The Midday Show and said instead that he was taking it for something relating to a haircut. It was a topical, he, he found the right drug this time and something that it might have been in, but changing the story once you weren't believed the first time does not instill any more confidence. And then he also said, quote, I don't think there was a reason to destroy the image of a player over something as minor as that. This is a catastrophe what has taken place, not just for Junior, but for all of baseball. There are millions of fans who are going to stop watching baseball now, it's a total disappointment for Dominican fans, fans throughout the world, for something so insignificant that wasn't worth it. Sounds like he's talking to his son. Hey, son, I know you got excited about Juan Soto and you felt like the team could make a run late, but you didn't need to take drugs to try to come back faster and heal faster. You shouldn't have done it. It wasn't worth it.
2: Yeah, I'm just thinking if you're going to come up with the story, get it right. And then even <laughs> when you come up with the second story, you took you were in another country you found a topical ointment. you used it without asking anybody right. from another like is that supposed yeah. to be okay? Like, oh yeah, it's not so bad. this was no, this was a minor thing. I can't believe they had they pulled out such a you know yeah. strong also, suspension. no I no mean, that's just dumb to do, okay? You think it's, it's just a dumb even if that's the real story. It's not the real story.
1: If you got fungus from a haircut and then sprayed something on it, is it even possible? that you would test positive for the, you know what I mean? Like how much of it seeped into your, I mean, the whole thing is such a lie and it's kind of embarrassing that we're still playing this game of, I guess I should have asked. No, we know. Everybody knows to ask now. So if you test positive, you took it. Especially Um, if you're
2: taking a drug in another country.
1: Yeah, I mean, just, come on. Like... And, and, of course, this is exacerbated by a couple of things. One, he hasn't played on this giant brand-new contract because he was injured from multiple motorcycle accidents, which I believe are probably against his contract. I mean, that usually is for most professional athletes. And then you also had a teammate, I don't know if you heard this, whose quote upon learning that he was suspended for 80 games was, oh, that's actually not as bad as I thought. I was worried about death. I mean, that sounds like a guy that needs to get his you know what together. Yeah.
2: Yeah. If that's your reaction, Yeah. I mean, if that's be- what your team is about. You better look in the mirror, about. man. Get your act straight.
1: When you, think, when you think, you know, something bad happened, oh, we got some bad news on Tatis Jr., and that's where your head goes, this is a guy who needs to figure some stuff out. Now, also, somebody who needs to figure something out is our next story Quickies, which is the Padres, who have to figure out what to do with all the bobbleheads that they had for Fernando Tatis Jr. (laughs) bobblehead night. You think you'd be able to still do it? I don't know if your concern is that the fans don't want one because they're mad at him. I don't know if while a a player is suspended, if you can't honor him because it looks bad, the optics of honoring a cheetah. But uh, Juan Soto T-shirt giveaway is now replacing the bobblehead giveaway. Uh, And I wonder what happens to the 35,000 bobbleheads. Do they get sent to foreign countries the same way you do with a T-shirt for a team that didn't, in fact, win it all?
2: I mean, they got to save it for next year, don't they? I guess you I could mean, just you could just you could just recycle it next year. Or you hope yeah, just back make next sure he's year. wearing a,
1: a uniform or it doesn't. Hopefully they didn't have I mean, it say the the day or the season year or anything on it.
2: Yeah, scratch it out, you know, like uh, the great <laughs> the engravers on like the Stanley Cup. Get him in there. Yeah, take, yeah, there you go. We got thirty five thousand bobbleheads. Can you uh, oh, man. alter them a little bit? Just put twenty twenty three instead of yeah, there you go. And also you're gonna have to wait till later in the season because. Yeah, uh, that's suspension, gonna, by the way. is going to be, be uh, a while before. Yeah, dips, before dips into early. 2023 (laughs) (laughs)
1: it's sarah spain jordan renan it's quickies on espn radio spade and fits all right next story quickies uh loyal viewers of around the horn will remember a particularly spicy rant that i gave when the white Sox announced they would be hiring tony la russa and i want to just say for the billionth time i was right uh it's been a disaster nice nice self pat back i I, I like i will never not say i told you so (laughs) i'm not above it and uh, oh, in either. addition to recently being caught uh, what appeared to be taking a snooze during the first inning of a game, <laughs> he Sleep also— till the third at least, you know? Yeah, come on, man. Come on at least at least to tell us it was the sun, you know, <laughs> late in the seventh or eighth. Uh, he also appears to have listened to a fan in the stands to make a decision about a pinch runner. See if you can uh, listen to how that went down in this video that a fan grabbed.
4: Hey, Tony. Oh, he's going to pinch run. <laughs> and he called it. And he called it. And he's doing it. He's doing
0: it. He's doing it. He's
1: doing it. Oh, man. Yep, that's right. Sox and Astros tied it to a piece after an Eloy Jimenez double, and the video shows the fan very close to the dugout yelling, put in a Engel, put in angle. And then he does that exact thing, and you have to wonder if he was even paying attention or it had crossed his mind until that fan decided to give him the tip.
2: Even if he was, the way it went down, it just yes. made him look like he wasn't <laughs> yes. and yeah. that the fan was essentially <laughs> managing the team. Wow, he, like, from afar, I'll tell you. He looks like a bumbling manager out there. I, it just—it looks really bad. I'm,
1: yeah, I mean, you don't want to be an ageist. There are plenty of older managers still getting it done. Coaches still getting it done. I'm admittedly but,
2: an ageist in sports. But for—for
1: for, I mean, for all we knew about the things he was doing and the problems with the law right before all this, it just was a very strange choice, particularly the kind of team and players that the White Sox have to pair him with that guy. And, yeah, I was right. Uh, Giants and Jets in the news today. So we're going to talk with someone who covers them both coming up next.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: A little Bruce Springsteen to talk about our team's – out in the uh, East Coast area at Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jordan Renan in for Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. And joining us now, SNY Giants and Jets reporter Connor Hughes. A lot of talk about both teams this week. Connor, let's start with the biggest news. Zach Wilson's knee surgery deemed a success. Out two to four weeks, but the timetable may be pushing back even longer than that, and not expected to be ready for week one. What's your reaction to the news of his surgery and what they're saying about it?
3: Well, yeah, it's the uh, it's it's the best of all best case scenarios, I think, and and a big reason for that is the Jets kind of felt like they were a little snake bitten after what happened to them with with Mekhi back then, right? Because. Robert Sala was walking off the field. The trainers came up to him and said, look, knee stable. Everything seems fine. He's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. And, you know, six to to eight hours later, they found out he's done for the year. So the jets were holding all optimism in, and they were refusing really to express any legitimate optimism at any point in time during Zach Wilson's knee injury and the immediate aftermath and day aftermath, because they wanted him to go in for the surgery. They wanted him to look inside his knee and make sure that there was nothing there that they missed. And, for them to come back and basically say, "Look, it is just the bruise knee, it is just the meniscus. He's good. Other than that, it, it is the best of all best case scenarios because they know they're going to see Zach Wilson again at some point this year. Now, what, at what point is he going to miss regular season time? Yeah, from what I've been told, he, he's probably going to miss a couple of games. But I mean, that's a heck of a lot better than the alternative, which is that he's out the entire his entire sophomore season. With
2: Flacco, you just mentioned. Hey, Connor. By the way, it's long long time no hey, speak. So I saw you a few hours yeah. ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, so they basically grease the skids for Flacco to start the season, right? I mean that that's what it sounds like the way it's going. What is the what does the team feel about Flacco? Because I mean, I know there's people that are like, "Hey, I'd rather see Mike White." Like, you know, let's let's see what Mike White has. He had that game last year where he popped up. So why Flacco?
3: Yeah, well, they they honestly they they view him as and Robert Sala said this over and over and over again. That they still view him as a, as an NFL starting quarterback in the league and. Look, I mean, I think that they're probably playing this one safe because Zach Wilson's still young and, and they don't want to – basically, look, If yeah, I, I kind of compare this one to not too long ago in 2019 when, when Sam Darnold had his mono. Uh, the Jets had Trevor Simeon, who obviously was no good. He gets hurt and they have to turn to Luke Falk. And there was a couple games stretched there where Adam Gase was basically like, whatever we need to do to get Sam Darnold ready as soon as humanly possible, we need to do that because we have absolutely no chance of winning a game right now with Luke Falk, David Fales, or Trevor, Trevor Simeon out there. Like, we need Sam Darnold back ASAP. So they were doing whatever they could to get him out there. The Jets don't want to do that because they don't want to run the risk of putting Zach out there too early. And they put him out there too early, and all of a sudden he gets re-injured, or they put him out there and he's favoring something, or because he's favoring the one knee, he hurts the other knee, or anything like that. They want to wait They want to wait until he's 110%. And I think one of the reasons why they're saying that so so outwardly and also behind the scenes, is largely because they do have legitimate real faith in Joe Flacco. This isn't like when it was Trevor Simeon or Luke Falk or Davis Dales behind Darnold. They look at, at at Joe Flacco and believe that this guy is still a starting quarterback in the NFL. He's had a full offseason with the Jets. He understands their offense from being with Mike LaFleur last year and now throughout the course of this offseason in training camp. And look, I'm not uh, Jordan, you know me, man. I mean, I have absolutely no problem at all putting it like it is. Joe Flacco has had a really, really good training camp to this point. Yeah, it's been with the number twos, but he's been out there moving the ball up and down the field and up and down the field. And when Zach Wilson was struggling early in camp, Joe Flacco was, was probably the best quarterback that Jets had in practices. And then, obviously, Zach Wilson kind of caught fire and started going again. But this is not just exactly kind of, you know, encouraging for Zach Wilson there,
2: Connor. Right. I mean... Well, that's what I wanted no, to no, ask no, you, Connor. No, like, were going. they
1: – were they when you say he got it going, like, was there a lot of excitement and enthusiasm around Zach Wilson, or was it just, well, it's better than what he'd been doing? I mean, as far as the expectations for a pick that high that they hope to have as their future guy, did they see anything yeah. to make them feel good about that before the injury?
3: No, it's, it's funny, I like I actually said this, I think I think I actually might have said this on S N Y not too long ago, is that if you had asked me, you know, about about Zach the first after OTA's mini camp or you'd have asked me about Zach after the first couple of days of training camp, I would have, you know, look, I would have said the truth. Like I'm worried, you know, it was concerning. He was not looking good. You know, the, the accuracy concern for there, he was throwing a lot of interceptions. Uh, he, he just didn't look comfortable and in control. And like, you'd expect a second year quarterback to do. And, and I don't necessarily know what happened, but it was like he had one really, really good practice. And then from then he just started stacking days and it was getting better and getting better and getting better. And he went into that Eagles game off a string of practices where he was incomplete control of the offense where you were starting to see that, that unorthodox off script playmaking that made him so, so uh, exciting at BYU. You were starting to see that regularly in training camp and in practices, which you weren't seeing normally. Now I know he kind of went out there against the Eagles and things didn't look too good before the injury, but the jets were kind of going into this one saying like, you know, the the kids really got a legitimate chance. Like like, we really think we've got something here and we really think he's going to turn it on. And that's kind of what made it such a shame with the injury, but With him out, with him missing time, I mean, the Jets do genuinely believe that they have somebody that can go in, run the offense, keep the offensive afloat, and and by having that stability with Flacco, it allows them to say, okay, Zach, we're not going to rush you back. Whenever you're 100%, that's when we're going to put you on the field, but not until that point in time. Chris Canny said today on Get
2: Up that if the Jets don't have a good season and Wilson underperforms and it's another struggle, that they should be looking to draft another quarterback high next year. I know it's only Wilson's second year. And I might be jumping a few steps ahead at this point. But how long is his leash, you think?
3: Uh pretty pretty long right now. I mean, because you, you have the this isn't like if if the Jets had made the decision to keep and and you know hang on to Sam Darnold last year, right? Where you have a GM that didn't draft him and a head coach that didn't pick him and and you know now it's suddenly like, okay, whenever this guy's bad, we'll just put our guy in there. Uh, Joe Douglas was the one that drafted Zach Wilson. You know, uh, Mike LaFleur and Robert Sala were the ones who who signed off on Zach Wilson. So they kind of hitched their wagon to him. So for the Jets to give up on Zach this year or give up on Zach completely next year and and draft a quarterback like that, it would take a a ridiculously bad season. Like, I'm, I'm talking two, three, four wins, something like that. Like, that's honestly how bad it would have to be, I think, for them to realistically consider moving on from Zach. And at that point, you know, look, Woody Johnson's back. And, and the one thing that we know about Woody Johnson when he's running the show is that he doesn't necessarily have a lot of patience. And if things aren't going the way that he wants it to, he has no problem pulling the plug. So the one, and this is literally for, forecasting and projecting the worst of all worst-case scenarios, but if, if the Jets are sitting there at 1-10, and 1-11, I do wonder if there is a situation out there where, where the Jets might potentially look to put Flacco back in there to try to just right the ship. To try to show management look the scheme works the other players we've drafted work the quarterback's just the problem right now you know and if that's something they mm. throw out there to, to see what it would happen but i mean that's, better uh, hope that's a world the world yeah
1: yeah,
3: yeah and that, gone that's not the world the jets point, don't right? really want to think in or live in
1: it's spain and Fitz. Harris spain jordan renan in for Fitz. we're talking to connor hughes sny giants and jets reporter you can follow him at Connor underscore J underscore Hughes. Uh, Canty, while saying that about Zach Wilson and the potential for another draft uh, that finds a QB going to the Jets, threw some shade at the Giants along the way, uh, saying, you know, you don't want to end up where you're stuck with someone like Daniel Jones. What have you seen from Daniel Jones and Brian Dable saying that, you know, Tyrod Taylor might get some first team reps? What does that tell us about how he's looked in camp?
3: Yeah, Jordan and I were, were were both there for that one, so I, I know. Look, Jordan's been covering the job. I'm a newbie to the Giants team, so so Jordan's gonna gonna fact check whatever I say here. But I think that look, I mean, I I I will be honest, with you, I kind of disagree a little bit with, with Canty with what the Giants did, you know, in terms of being the quote unquote stuck with Daniel Jones, because if you look at it, like, what was their alternative this this year? Were they gonna go draft Peterman? Like go over over draft? He was talking over, the year like,
2: he was talking the year before, yeah. and and that they basically passed on Justin Herbert.
3: Oh, got you, got you. Well, yeah, I mean that, that yeah. was definitely a mistake. But yeah, it was <laughs> like, look, I, I mean, yeah, I, I think uh, I think with I think the the thing with Daniel Jones right now is that it's and, and Jordan, Jordan. I don't know if you feel the same here, but but in my opinion, with Jones, like, I think he's a guy that can be an effective quarterback in the NFL when everything around him is good. When he's got right. the receivers, when he's got yeah. the competent play Bryant's caller, when he's got Attahill. the good line. Ryan Tannehill, yes, exactly. You can he win can with like him, not because Tannehill. of him. Yes. Exactly. And, so. and the problem right now is that with, with Dave Gettleman basically taking the Giants roster and driving it directly into the ground for the last We're four building. years. Daniel, It's Daniel, jo- <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Daniel Jones cut. and nothing, right? I mean, like... <laughs> The the interior of the line is is not very good. the The receivers are are good on paper in terms of namesake, but Kadarius Tony's never out there, and Kenny Galladay looks like a complete and total shell of himself. And mm. you know, are you really gonna gonna sit you there and, and hit your wagon? As Juan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like, oh, is Wandell Robinson gonna be like like oh, he's gonna be what Odell Beckham this year? Like, I don't think so. So I think unfortunately, Daniel Jones is kind of set up to fail this year just because he doesn't have the things around him that he needs to have success, but. Also, if you're the Giants, I don't know if that's the worst-case scenario, right? I mean, best best thing is, is that Daniel looks great this year, and you're like, holy cow, looks like we've got a quarterback, and you slap him with the franchise tag. Worst case, and, and maybe it's not even worst case, is that you see that Daniel Jones is not the guy. You're a, a two- or a three- or a four-win team this year, and then you're positioned to draft a, a quarterback in a much more quarterback-rich class this year. So, you know, I'm, I'm much more pro-Daniel Jones than I think a lot of people. I just think that, unfortunately, he's in a very bad situation with the Giants, because that's a team that is really trying to clean up, I think, right now. is I don't think they're necessarily even in the rebuilding phase. I think they're in the cleaning up after what Dave Gettleman did. And then well, you know, next year is kind of when they start rebuilding and moving forward.
1: Sounds like a team that's close <laughs> to me here in Chicago. New York football, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, Connor, thanks so much for the time. Appreciate it.
3: No problem. Thank you so much for having me on.
1: I feel like maybe you should get hazard pay if you have to cover the Giants and the Jets. Uh, true, so seems- true story. True story.
2: <laughs> last five years, the worst record in the NFL over the last five years. There's a tie. It's the Giants oh. and the Jets.
1: <laughs> I hope he is paid handsomely. It's Spain and Fitz. <laughs> Coming up, what movie coach would you most like to play for? We'll explain next.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: Happy Tuesday. You're listening to Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jordan Renan on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM XM, Channel 80, a little later in the show, you're going to hear from Nick Offerman, who's on my podcast this week. So We talk fictional coaches and managers. He is playing a surly manager on the new A League of Their Own, which seems like a perfect fit for him. Uh, but we got to do some more quickies. We did MLB quickies earlier, and the news is coming so fast and so furious that this is the only way to get it all in.
0: Quickies with Spain and Fitz. We get in and out of topics fast.
1: And yes, we are still doing phrasing. Uh, We're gonna start with NBA news that is not likely to be relevant anytime soon. Uh, But I happened to see it and just about jumped out of my chair. Giannis Antetokounmpo talking to Fox 32 Chicago. And the question about whether he might ever want to play for the Bulls comes up. Here's what it sounded like.
5: I think uh, anybody who asks that question uh, that plays basketball, if he said no, he would be, he'd be a liar. You know, uh, it's a team that uh, won uh, multiple championships. It's a team that one of the greatest players, if not the greatest player, to ever play this game played for. So, it's 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 a no-brainer. Everybody would love to play for Chicago. But down the line, you you never know. You know, you never know how life brings it. Maybe maybe I play for Chicago, but uh, right now I'm committed to Milwaukee.
1: Maybe I'll play for Chicago, he Get says. Get your hopes up. I'm already building a shrine. <laughs> it has cheese curds that are getting torched and overcooked. It has a slice of deep dish pizza warmed up to the perfect temperature. It's got a bunch of Michael Jordan stuff. It's got some, uh, some Greek food. It's, you know, all the things that I could manifest and send up to the, to the heavens to, to bring him here. Now I do realize that he'll probably be 45 by the time he decides to roll down to Chicago. (laughs) You get
2: like Michael Jordan Uh, in Washington. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much.
1: (laughs) But I will say this. I'm a lot more confident that Giannis would come play for Chicago, then the Knicks, who weren't even in the conversation, were not a part of any questions that he was asked. And yet here we are on ESPN Radio. What a surprise. Jay Williams, who, by the way, was a Bulls draft pick and should have some loyalty. But instead, here's what he says about Giannis.
0: What if Giannis came to New York and won a championship for the Knicks? Yeah, for yo, me, yo. I think that is the play for Giannis to go be a New York Knicks when it's but all She But you got to do that now. You, you can't do that. You right. going to be older. It's two more years. Giannis is not the person that would yeah. say, hey, I need other people to come along with me. He would say, oh, no, I don't care what anybody said about the Knicks before. I'm here now. Now you want to come play with also- me.
1: I mean, I appreciate that he's looking into the future and he still imagines a Knicks team with zero other players there because no one wants to go there because they all were born 30 years after MSG was actually relevant. But why does he presume that going to the Bulls would mean hitching his wagon to anything? He's just making up scenarios to try to spin it towards the Knicks.
2: Sarah, let me say this for a second. I am the most jaded Knicks fan you can imagine at this point. (laughs) Like, this irks me because... I'm just sitting here saying to myself, it's just another player. The Knicks are obviously not going to get. Like, right. I'm sick and tired of talking about players the Knicks aren't going to get. <laughs> like let's that's why they they needed to stink for like for real for like the last 10 years and get actual draft picks because nobody's coming to play for the Knicks. They are a bad yeah. organization mm-hmm. with a terrible owner. owner. Yeah. Nobody mm-hmm. wants to play Thank for you. him. Thank you. How I many times that. do we have to get that slap in the face? The real, the oh, wake up. You know, come on. And I just want to say up.
1: that Bulls fans are not delusional about people coming to our team either, but it was brought up in conversation and he responded he and he directly said it, which yeah. is why I can acknowledge it. Otherwise, we're well aware that no one Granted, wants to play for Granted, he was play playing for the crowd. Was, it was Fox was 32 Chicago, <laughs> but still, the shrine has been built. It's Spain and Fitz. Jordan Renan in for Fitz. We're doing Quickies. Next story. Quickies. Speaking of the NBA, quickly, they're not going to hold games on Election Day. They usually don't play on Thanksgiving or Christmas Eve. They take a couple days off around the All-Star game, and they try to avoid the men's NCAA Tourney Championship game. Uh, but other than that, they usually book straight through. But they are going to take off all 30 teams um, on on November uh, on November 8th because they want to make sure that they've got everybody encouraged to spend that time to go vote. And I like it. Uh, I know Greeny was kind of bemoaning the I idea think that it's
2: a little weird.
1: I mean, the, the point is, the point is not, well, I was going to vote, but now there's NBA on the point is instead <laughs> exactly, to create enough conversation around it by virtue of the announcement and some activations on election, uh, to use that power and that voice that they have. And I'm here for it.
2: I get it, I guess a little bit, but I'm, I don't know. The thought that comes to my head is it's we're not not voting. Like you could still use the the voices and the power and still play games. I,
4: I don't, yeah, but I don't sometimes know. I
1: think it takes bold and and big moves like this to get attention. Just having a campaign isn't the same as announcing to people that you're you know securing that day to focus on something else. Which um, I think it's I think it's a good move by them, especially considering how important uh, the elections will be coming up around November. It's See, I personally doing... would rather
2: I'd rather just vote during the day and then come home and watch NBA. Oh well, how not. lucky for you maybe, that you're able yeah. to
1: just not go to work, and you're <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe it's uh people maybe with a different an, schedule a than you. a late start. Yeah, a seven <laughs> o'clock start. I could go at
2: five o'clock even if I'm a nine to <laughs> five, or which I'm not, by the way.
1: Uh, all right, next story. Quickies. Sticking with hoops, Brianna Stewart, the first two-time winner of the APW NBA Player of the Year award, uh, she also won it after her rookie season in 2016. There's a big battle between Brianna Stewart and Asia Wilson from the Aces. Uh, Brianna led the league in scoring. She was excellent from beyond the arc all season. She obviously brings a well-rounded game in all aspects, and there's a huge argument to be made for her, but plenty are also uh, fighting and and holding up for Asia Wilson. She's AP Defensive Player of the Year for the first time. Atlantis Tanisha Wright, the first uh, former player to be named Coach of the Year. Ryan Howard ran away with Rookie of the Year as expected. A lot of that AP voting has some people scratching their heads. Uh, I think you'd be hard-pressed to argue against Brianna Stewart, although I could see how Asia had a lot of people uh, sending in votes as well. Both of those teams, obviously. Playoff teams that will get started tomorrow and Thursday – and uh, we'll see how they can help their teams make a run. Uh, the Liberty, your Liberty, facing off against my Chicago Sky in the first round. Uh, don't get your hopes up, Jordan. Uh, defending no. champs over here.
2: Yeah, I know, I know. Look, Chicago, I mean, New York is not the uh, the hotbed of basketball championships over the last you know, 50 <laughs> forever. years. Forever,
1: forever. Yeah. All I right, next story. Quickies. <laughs> Finally, Tiger Woods and PGA Tour players met to talk about the ongoing, uh, feud with live golf and an interesting new note about live golf. According to a report I saw in Bloomberg, it looks like the Saudi backed tour would be banned from New Jersey under a state Senate bill. Uh, and so potentially their lawmakers actually trying to prevent, uh, the golf tour from being able to participate on American soil, legal? or at least in that state. I'd have to dive a little deeper, yeah. but certainly, uh, obviously, a there's, there's a, lot of, uh, a lot of connections to that tour and other things that has a lot of Americans wanting to keep them out of, particularly spaces near New York. Uh, coming up, we'll talk about the best baseball team in New York, and we'll ask our next guest if he agrees with Jordan. It's coming up.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: Jordan Renan is in for fits and he has rightfully pointed out that we have just been trashing teams from the New York Metro area all show long. We're going to make up for that with some potentially positive talk here. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jordan Renan, ESPN radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM channel 80 ESPN radio is presented by progressive insurance. And we now bring in ESPN MLB analyst, Xavier Scruggs. Let's start out East. The Yankees have a worse record than the Cubs since the trade deadline. The Mets are giving DeGrom no-run support, but let's talk positives. Which is the better team?
5: <laughs> well, appreciate you having me, and, and since you want to talk uh, positive, uh, I look at the Mets right now, and what they're doing is way beyond what the Yankees are doing right now. As far as when you look today, the Mets are the better uh, are the better New York team, and the one of the biggest reasons being the offense has been you know, uh, unbeatable since since the beginning of the season. This offense has not cooled down. And even though they have some injuries right now, specifically at the third-base position, the, they're still bringing up a young prospect, 21 years old and a baby, that he's going to help provide some offense as well. So I look at what the offense is doing, but then how deep the rotation is. And everything starts with the foundation of starting pitching. And when you have two of the best pitchers in all of Major League Baseball, Max Scherzer and and Jacob deGrom, that just starts it. But also the guys behind him and a Chris Bassett, a Cookie Carrasco, um, those guys have also stepped up in a major way. And this team is clicking on all cylinders right now. And the Yankees, unfortunately, they're going the opposite way.
2: So g- tell me for a second I need a little optimism on the Yankees tell me how this is this can turn around for them can
5: it Well, I look at, you've you already gotten such a a big head in the American League East. You have no issues getting to the playoffs, so now is that time when you have to take a step back and say, okay, what are some of our weaknesses and how can we address them? Some of the biggest issues now are the protection around an Aaron Judge, right? So when you have injuries to Giancarlo Stanton, Rizzo had some issues going as well. And then you look at Matt Carpenter, who had come on and and been a huge um, help to this offense, he's now out. So some of it has been injuries. Also, Gleber Torres is in one of the worst street uh slumps right now, two for his last twenty four. Josh Donaldson, two for his last twenty one. Aaron Hicks, two for his last so some guys should be able to pick that up soon and get out of those slumps and then injury issues when John Carlo comes back, that's going to be big for them as well. Um, but for me, it's, it's more the no urgency from, a, from the start of the game. Like, they're looking to uh, avoid being shut out in three straight games for the first time since 2016. They've got to that's get some crazy. offense going early in the game.
1: In Spain and Fitz we're talking to Xavier Scruggs. I mean, a lot of people would argue that managers in baseball aren't making as many critical decisions throughout a game, aren't you know, calling as many plays as some other sports, but how much do you look at the the trend for Boone in late seasons for Yankees and wonder, you know, where where to point fingers here?
5: Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's the, the necessarily the biggest issue because you have an offense that's proven most of the year that they're going to produce. And when you have guys that have a lot of power, you have guys that will slump at times. The only issue is you don't expect guys to all slump at the same time. Uh, that's going to hurt them. Ultimately, they will come out of it. These are two good of offensive players that you have in an absolutely stacked lineup that will produce And then they've also went and got some reinforcements at the trade deadline. So that's going to ultimately help too. But you just have to look at this team being able to figure out a way to make adjustments earlier in the game that's their biggest issue is trying to figure out the opposing team's starting pitcher like like last night you have issue with them facing the rays this is a rays team that's playing better baseball same thing with tonight they haven't gotten it going against against spring so it's just about making those adjustments early that that's less to do with boone than does with the actual players in the offense
2: let's turn for a sec to a, for a second to another team that we know is going to be in the playoffs right the dodgers they're the best team in baseball but they lost the guy who we, most of us at least consider at this point of his with Kershaw at the, his point of his career, that Walker Bueller as their ace, right? He has been kind of for a couple of years now. Can they overcome him being injured, and how big a blow is it?
5: Yeah, to answer your first question, they can definitely overcome it. The, the biggest reason being they've been playing without him and playing really good baseball without him for a while now. Um, and I think the one biggest thing is you have some guys almost the same situation with the Mets guys have stepped up big time in that rotation. Um, guys like Tyler Anderson, who have you, who've almost come out of nowhere and been great pitchers this year. The same thing goes for Gonsolin, the cat man. He's been absolutely amazing. Another all-star there. So when you have guys that have stepped up and given you depth and also given you length in the games. That ultimately takes the pressure off of the relief, the relievers, as well as the offense has been able to go out there and just put massive runs up on the board. So their starting pitching has been fine without Walker, and I think it's going to continue to stay the same. Plus, you get more relievers back in a Blake Trinan and a Bruce Dar pretty soon. This team is still
1: stacked. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jordan Renan in for Fitz. We're talking to Xavier Scruggs. You can follow him at Xavier underscore Scruggs. Fernando Tatis Sr. not making things any better for his son. First, he comes up with a different excuse as to why he might have tested positive. Then he says it's, quote, something so insignificant and that all of baseball loses out. The big loser to me seems to be a guy who has been injured in motorcycle accidents and now misses games for this. Um, What do you think the Padres front office is thinking about the length and size of the deal they handed this kid?
5: Yeah, sir. They've got to be so disappointed in some of the decision making that this that Fernando Tatis Jr has gone through, right? You you look at the motorcycle and then you look at this now and you you have to question the the type of money that was given over 300 million dollars, but I think the biggest issue is you know, this is a stain on our sport, right? You can almost look at it at a macro level and and look at all of Major League Baseball. We still continue to see these things happening, and you're looking at it happening to one of the game's brightest stars. So as we continue to find ways to market Major League Baseball internationally, you still have issues like this popping up. That's the the bigger problem for me. And then you still have Fernando Tatis Jr.'s father, Sr., trying to back up his son which is understandable but at the same time don't this doesn't this family have PR people that are able to help them with some of these statements like it doesn't make any sense some of the stuff that they've come out and said instead of all the excuses there needs to be more of remorse and an understanding of how this has hurt the Padres as well as how this has hurt Major League Baseball to me we've talked
2: about a bunch of these playoff teams Mets the Yankees the Dodgers you could even throw the, the Padres in there is there any team that you look at as we're getting closer to the playoffs that you, th- you think people need to pay attention to a little closer?
5: Yeah, I think ultimately Seattle is one of those teams for me. The Mariners, um, oh. they have really good starting pitching. The offense has come together uh, as of recent. This is a team that, in the beginning of the season, we were wondering what are they doing. That um, they're in a they're in a tough position, but now they've gotten it together. And I look at from a starting pitching standpoint. When you go and add a Luis Castillo at the trade deadline, that pretty much tells me that you're all in. And I love the idea that this team now has the ability because you look at some of the rest of the American League. Once if they get to the playoffs. They might have to face a Yankees team that isn't playing su- such good a baseball right now. Or they f- face a- another team in the Central in which all those teams are question-, question marks when you look at the Twins, when you look at the Guardians. Um, and-, and the same thing with the rest of the AL East. The only issue, the only team right now that I see that is dominant way beyond every other team in the American League is the Houston Astros. So if you get the Mariners in there, I think they have an opportunity to make some noise in the postseason.
1: All right, I've got two quick ones to close with. How many teams do you think have an actual shot at winning at all?
5: Two teams have an actual shot at winning it all. I got the Dodgers and, and the Astros. I think those are the two teams mm-hmm. for me that are way beyond everybody else, um, especially when you look at pitching. That, that's going to be one of the biggest things as far as this new format is concerned when you it's going to really test the depth of your starting pitching, you might end up having to use number four starter at some point. So that's what both you look at the Dodgers have and the Astros have is, is depth beyond the other teams.
1: I'm mm, glad we came around at the end of this segment to manage to still poop on the New York teams uh, by not including them in that. Uh, and finally, 30 seconds or less. I know you're in Williamsport for the little league world series. What's it been like out there?
5: Oh, it's amazing. You have the international teams back this year um you get to see so much passion so much energy from the kids and uh it's already been exciting seeing the faces of these kids getting ready to play uh it all gets going tomorrow so i'm excited for it
1: awesome stuff thanks for the time xavier no problem xavier scruggs espn mlb analyst you can follow him at xavier underscore scruggs it's spain and Fitz, jordan renan in for Fitz. we teased it earlier we pay it off here movie coach you'd most like to play for, and Nick Offerman chimes in on his new role. It's next.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain with you as always. Jordan Renan in for Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh... Last week when we had Courtney Cronin in, we finished the show with a little Ask Courtney where she talked about Bears camp and other other things. And, and then we'll do a little Ask Jordan at the end of today's show. So if folks have questions about Giants camp, uh, Daniel Jones, non-New York sports things that you believe somehow Jordan is informed on, uh, I assume there's at least a couple things you know something about besides the Giants, right?
2: Yeah, I mean I
1: got I got talk
2: to people. I talk to people. I talk to people. Who talk <laughs> I talk to to people. people. You know, people I read books. Talk to people.
1: I, I see I watch some stuff. <laughs> uh, we'll uh we'll do that a little bit later. So I'll put it up at Spain and Fitz, at Jordan Renan, at Sarah Spain. Uh you can get in some questions for Ask Jordan. Uh also, we uh we uh sometimes on this show here, play a little clip from my podcast. That's what she said with Sarah Spain. And especially when we have illustrious guests like Nick Offerman, the legendary man behind Ron Swanson, also the author of many books, uh, been in a ton of stuff, and a really truly nice genuine dude who I had a fantastic conversation with that was very wide ranging but the part that I grabbed for this here show is when he's talking about being on the new A League of Their Own series on Amazon Prime television and how he's on the uh, the tail end of being in the sports movies no longer able to be maybe uh, the guy up to play up at the plate here's what he said
0: here's this week's nod to the
1: pop
0: as a
4: baseball fan And and especially uh, I just turned 52, you know, uh, I'm sort of beyond the age when, like I'm going to like maybe I'll get to play a manager or, or, you know, I'll, I'll get to play like old Joey Votto or something. Well, you were Uh, Kallen
1: Kaepernick's dad, so I think that settled it. Yeah, you you will not be playing the star athlete right now. (laughs) Yes,
4: Uh, it's gonna take a a great, it's gonna take some sort of Pixar imagination (laughs) (laughs) to turn me into that. But so to get to like come out and and play even a little bit of baseball and like be a part of this, um, I'm also of course a huge Darcy Carden fan. And then when I met the rest, uh, and I, we, I know Kate Berlant as well, who's one of the funniest people working today. And then when I met the rest of the, of the, the team, I just, I mean, I, I was grinning from ear to ear the entire time because my dad was the, was the star of our town uh, mm-hmm. as a baseball player and a basketball player. Our little farm town had a very Hoosiers feeling to it growing up. And so, and my dad was a great coach. I have three siblings. He taught us all to play sports. And so any circumstance like that, I mean, whether I'm playing baseball or hammering a nail or splitting firewood, all all (laughs) of which for some reason I, I tend to be called upon to do quite a bit on camera. I just immediately, or, or park a vehicle, I just immediately think of my dad. Yeah. And like, oh boy, I, I, you know, I gotta make sure I do this right because I don't wanna hear about it from, from Rick. Um, and so, I mean, there, was, there wasn't a lot of thought given to anything uh, other than trying to
0: serve, you know, this role and this narrative as best I can. For more, please subscribe and listen to That's What She Said with Sarah Spang on your smart speaker or wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Nick Offerman not playing Tom Hanks' character. It is a new character and a new series um, based on the women's professional baseball league, but not following the same characters from the movie. Uh, But his character is a former Cubs pitcher. Uh, which I love, and and I love imagining him as a manager, and it had me thinking of all the famous movie coaches, movie managers, who would be the best one to actually play for? Do you have a favorite?
2: The first one that comes to my mind is Gordon Bombay. (laughs) Emilio Estevez, you know, in the uh, Mighty Ducks movies. You know, just uh, a fun... uh, Win one for the Gipper type speech, right. kind of guy. So, yeah, yeah. You know, that, that for some reason, I'll tell you the one who I would not want to play for, who is, which is one of my least favorite sports movies of all time. I thought it the worst. It was maybe his worst movie. Every Al Pacino in any given Sunday. Oh, yeah. Sleazy. So bad. Like oh, yeah, yeah. It was just a bad. was so bad in that role. Like, <laughs> yeah. I honestly, I, he was just not made out to be a question. Now, I could see, you know, the I Ron could see him as an Swanson agent. He had I could the, see that Ron he had Swanson the film as on him. like Yeah, as he could be like the 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 grunt the grumpy manager. Like that makes sense. Like yes. Al Pacino as like the football coach to me just didn't work at all. <laughs> like not even at all.
1: Yeah, that that wouldn't be my style. Um Who I, do you I,
2: have? Who do you have? I
1: mean, I liked the the balance of Tom Hanks in a league of their own. He ended up having a soft side, although at the beginning, yeah, I I, I, couldn't, that, I couldn't I couldn't do it. About I, it. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't do it because I couldn't respect someone who showed up drunk and uninspired. You know, by the end he he comes around. Yeah. But I think I I'm such a I'm such a tryhard that I would be really annoyed if my coach was half in the bag for every game. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's, uh, you know, I uh, there's a lot of funny ones. You know, like Carl Weathers and Happy Gilmore. You know, yes. Chubbs Peterson Chubbs. Who's helping him figure it out role. Role. Um, You know, I mean John Candy in Cool Runnings That's a good I did, one that, actually that was Although like He a-
2: also was like kind of like uh, he had
1: obvious faults. He was like not... Wasn't he yeah. like a
2: drunk also? Like a, yeah, I mean, there's... Like a depressed drunk? They like, don't usually like down make movies about
1: just like a really good coach who follows through and is like showing up. There's got to be an arc there where, you know, something goes terribly wrong. Like or where the the Bad arc- News
2: Bears also that kind of yeah. fits that same mold? Yeah, I, I mean, I think you got uh, a
1: good one with uh, Gordon Bombay. I think a lot of people might agree with that. I mean, Mr. Miyagi, are we counting him as uh, potentially... Uh, a coach. He he was I guess someone. he was a karate
2: coach. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that yeah, kind of yeah. works.
1: Um, the bad news bears was apparently Morris Buttermaker.
2: <laughs> oh, Buttermaker. That's right. It's but he been was also another one who was like basically a loser at the time, and he's like kind of trying yeah. to rejuvenate himself. There so aren't really yeah. movies he, about he really... coaches who
1: have their bleep together. It's <laughs> yeah. not really like it doesn't make for good conflict.
2: <laughs> yeah, Varsity Blues kind of the same thing. The coach is like the bad guy. But then, like, uh, Lance, Lance turns into, like, he would be a good coach, right? you remember? Yeah. yeah. You know blues? who I
1: haven't? I haven't ever seen Remember the Titans, but I feel like isn't Denzel Washington supposed to be, like, pretty inspiring there? How have you never seen Remember the Titans? Yeah, I know, yeah, dude. Yeah, I am behind watching. on a lot of them. During the whole COVID thing, but when we were tough, trying to fill time. He's like He's, like, I a was real watching- tough
2: coach in that movie. Like, he, he's, like... The drill sergeant. Like, I don't know if that's, like, what I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah you're anti-authority. Really it's not your tough. style. <laughs> I mean, Maybe I don't the go folks... run up hills for, like, three <laughs> days straight. That's, you know, that might be a little excessive these days.
1: Um, We'll see if the listeners can give us a better a better example. Uh, So, shoot them to us at Sarah Spain, at Jordan Renan, at Spain and Fitz. Coming up, the NFL takes are flowing, and we have some breaking news about one quarterback fighting for a job. It's next.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: The more we think about it there just really aren't that many movie coaches we'd like to play for but maybe y'all will come up with some at Sarah Spain at Jordan Renan at Spain and Fitz uh we've got some breaking news in the NFL CSPN radio by the way ESPN app Sirius XM channel 80. Uh, I think the, uh, the great Jenna Lane, our own Jenna Lane, put it perfectly. Life comes at you fast. 21 minutes ago, Adam Schefter tweeted Seahawks quarterback Drew Locke got the first team reps today, which at Brady Henderson noted is the first time that's happened this season. Locke will start Thursday night's game against the Bears on ESPN. Then one minute nope. ago, Adam Schefter tweeted, Seahawks quarterback Drew Locke has tested positive for COVID-19 and will miss Thursday's game versus the Chicago Bears on ESPN. He must this is have a felt well, right? Because deal. why
2: would you even get tested, if, right? Like, you don't, I, I even don't get know. tested these days unless you're... Unless and maybe is he sick. Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: I mean, that stinks. Uh, it's it's a, a battle. Most people think that Geno is ahead and will win the job, but that's a good opportunity to prove otherwise. And it's a big deal for him to not not be able to start that game.
2: I would assume because he was supposed to start the second preseason game. Now he'll at least get to start the third, right? You yeah. got to give him you got to give him some opportunity because Gino yeah. started the first game. Unless now he has... going to start the second game. Yeah. So unless you just, Gino just like have... puts it away. Yeah. Any deleterious be...
1: effects that are long lasting, you know, That's and that would affect his performance. But, um, yeah, we're just... assume,
2: I'm assuming he comes back in the five days, yeah. which. Most guys come back, at least in that vicinity. Within
1: that window, yeah. Uh, It's Spain and Fitz. Jordan Renan is in for Fit. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Commercial Insurance can protect your small business with over 30 coverage options and easy-to-use mobile app, personalized discounts, and more. Get a quote in as little as six minutes at progressivecommercial.com. Discounts and coverage selections not available in all states or situations. All right. We had so much good take, hot take content yesterday. It spilled over into today. So we've got some sound from yesterday and to today, uh, today, Junior, uh, that we are going to decide whether it's a good or hot take. I stumbled. I made it to today. You're making fun of yourself here. I'm making fun of myself. Pat yourself on the back, make fun of yourself. You're showing all (laughs) sides (laughs) of (laughs) Sarah. I'm in tune with myself, both in failure and success. Chris Canty, co-host of Canty and Carlin, was on Get Up talking about Zach Wilson and the Jets quarterback situation. Here's how it sounded.
0: This year is all about being able to evaluate Zach Wilson, and the last thing you want to do if you're the Jets is have the injury be an excuse as to why you can't get a proper evaluation on him, because, Greeny, let's face it, if Zach Wilson turns out not to be the guy, then you're talking about the Jets having another high draft pick in 2023 in a quarterback-rich draft class, and the Jets could be talking about another young quarterback that they're taking early.
1: Is that a good take or hot take?
2: Good take. I'm a big believer. <laughs> in if you don't have... If you don't know in two years if the guy is your quarterback, it means he's not your quarterback. So just keep going at it until you find it. And the Jets are on year like what fifty. <laughs> so might as well, might as well just you know get to it earlier than prolong the uh, agony. Otherwise, next thing you know, you end up like you have a mediocre quarterback. I always say this: you end up with Carson Palmer for like a decade, and you're just like, you, and then you're like, hey, where do we go? We made the playoffs, we never got anywhere. What are we, what are we doing here?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's a good take. Um, it's hard to hear because when you're in a city like mine where we're constantly cycling through quarterbacks, you do want to see someone get a real shot at it and have time to make good on it. But if he's injured and they don't see anything and they're not feeling strong about it it's hard to spend another year waiting to see what you got you can end up in that sort of purgatory there all right speaking of the jets (laughs) garrett wilson wide receiver for the team decided to honestly and publicly answer a question that he very easily could have just blown off here he is talking about the difference between zach wilson and joe flacco
2: there's definitely a difference you know it's uh i mean it's a lot of
5: experience right there with flacco and uh you know, I feel like everything with him is—he is he has to take some pace off can put pace on the balls. You know, he kind of does a good job of, of making uh, the passes. You know, receiver-friendly. That's the best way I can put it in the words. You know, it's, it's, they're pretty easy to catch. He um, takes
2: some off the ball when you're running the slant route versus you know out route or put some zip on it because it got to be. You know, things like that. So I'll say that.
1: Yeah, it uh, sounds like a good take to me, but it's a hot take hey, for saying it out loud. Just say, uh, yeah, they're different players. I like playing with both of them. Next question. You don't need to basically say Joe Flacco knows what he's doing and Zach doesn't.
2: Yeah, I'm a reporter, so I like uh, honesty you like the content. I'm never going yeah. <laughs> to critique guys for being honest, so I have to go with good take here, hey, good. even though he probably shouldn't have said it.
1: <laughs> All right, moving on. Damian Woody, ESPN NFL analyst, was on Canty and Carlin. This was quite a take about Matt Ryan, who struggled in his intro game with his new squad. But Woody seems to believe. Here's what it said:
5: I really like the situation that Matt Ryan is stepping into in Indianapolis. Okay, Frank Wright uh, being that you know the head coach and and the play call out there. He's going. He's got Jonathan Taylor, who as far as my, my in my opinion, the best running back in football and fantasy guy in football. And so he has a lot of surrounding pieces that are, that are really looking nice for Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan's going to come back
0: and have a hell of a year this year.
1: All right. Uh just want to point no. out that the, uh, the headline for that was that Matt Ryan would be a dark horse MVP candidate. That no. was the question that prompted that answer. So, Good take or hot take? Dark, dark MVP for Matt Ryan?
2: No, no, no. Come on. Matt Ryan's the time where he was an MVP kind of. By the way, he did win an MVP. Is in the past. I mean, Damian just said it. That is going to be a heavy running team. And have we looked at the the receivers around Matt Ryan? Like they're not a, Michael Pittman and I don't I don't know who else. Right. That, that's that's basically their receiver. I know they drafted uh, Alec Pierce uh, from. Cincinnati, who who I heard looks pretty good. But, uh, yeah, no, bad take. Like That's going to be a run first team. How do you have a run first team and the best running back in the league and probably the best player on the offense is a running back? How is the quarterback then going to be an MVP candidate?
1: Yeah, the uh, Michael Pittman Jr. is the name that you know, and then a whole lot of guys that are trying to make a name for themselves. So uh, that seems like quite a hot take to me. I think if he's just good enough and that defense shines, they've got a shot to compete a bit. But candidate for MVP, that's taking it too far. Yeah,
2: he's like number Speaking of taking it too far,
1: Keyshawn Johnson often does that on KJ and Max. Let's see if he does it here. He's talking about Lamar and his potential deal on the way, whether or not he should be willing to play for the Ravens without that contract. Here's Keyshawn.
0: I'm not getting my ass on the field for you until you pay me. Period. Period. Well, they offered him a contract. Well, it's not the contract that he wants. It's not the contract he deserves. Well, he's not going to get the same money Deshaun Watson. Well, okay. Well, I'm not going to take us to the promised land either. I'll sit tight. That's all I'm saying. He's got a different mindset, different mentality. One Joseph Keyshawn Johnson, though, Mm -mm. be sitting right at home.
1: (laughs) All right. Good take, hot take.
0: Good take.
2: I I, I kind of agree with Keyshawn here. The best leverage, if he doesn't think he's going to get the deal that he wants is to do that, right? It's to say, hey, fine, I won't play, and eventually the, the Ravens will be like, wow, we need this guy to play. Like, because did we see what happened to them last year when they were without Lamar Jackson, right? They're not a contender anymore. So they need Lamar Jackson, and it they're going to pay him. It's just a matter of ponying up to what he wants and whatever that, that point is that works for both sides. And yeah, the Deshaun Watson deal might have screwed it up for
1: everybody, but tough break. That's what the market is. So, pay up. So you think don't don't place don't play week one if it doesn't happen. I mean, I would
2: actually say don't step on the field before then to make sure to to force them to make a move before week one, right? Yeah. And then I, then I think the I think the the Ravens. You don't think they would blink if he said I'm not going on the field until I have a deal?
1: Yeah, I just, mean, I like, think stayed home now. Yeah, I don't think they're prepared for a season without him, that's for sure. Um, I guess what's fascinating is to try to figure out exactly what those negotiations look like and where the sticking points are. Um, I think also, uh, you know, as someone who's eschewed using an agent... Um, where is he getting his information about the contracts that he wants to compare this to? And yeah,
2: and what does he uh, want? I mean, yeah, we don't really know.
1: We don't really know. Very um, interesting
2: case for sure. Yeah,
1: and that's that's why I don't know if, I, it, and this is me personally. This is why I have an agent because I wouldn't trust myself to do that stuff on my own. But I would wonder if I stepped out of playing if I had been asking for the wrong thing or making demands that were not in line with what was realistic and then expecting the team to budge on stuff that's just never going to happen, I doubt that. I'm certain he's using some sort of metric to decide, you know, how he's upping what, what we've already seen go to other quarterbacks. And he's certainly in a position to demand it because he's waited out other deals that have just made his number go up. Uh, but that's a risk that you do take if you decide to... Okay. Use your you leverage, so though. that's out. this,
2: that's yeah. Holding out is... Is his leverage, it's
4: right? It's one of
1: the few things you've got. Absolutely. Yeah. 2022 ESPN Fantasy Football Marathon is underway right now. Check out ESPN and ESPN2 all evening for notes and tidbits to help draft your best fantasy football team. Joining an ESPN Fantasy Football League will allow you to play in a private league with friends. Or you can join a public league and get matched with other fans at the same level. Get expert analysis right on the home screen. The teams from Fantasy Focus and Fantasy Football Now give you the tips and insights that you need to take a dub in your league. Stream Monday Night Football, Fantasy Football Now, and Fantasy Focus in the ESPN Fantasy app. You can sign up now by heading to ESPN.com FFL or download the ESPN Fantasy app. It's fun, easy, and free to play.
2: It yeah, will tell you if you draft sake,
1: that's right. I think I just saw Shefty uh, saying that even though he was taught the gritty by one wide receiver, he's not drafting him, which is a show of uh, loyalty that I, I look down upon. If someone teaches you the gritty and you can hit the gritty, you got to draft him. Uh, do you have a question for Jordan Renan? Because coming up, we're going to do a little Ask Jordan at Sarah Spain at Spain and Fitz at Jordan Renan is where you can get your questions coming up on Spain and Fitz.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: We, uh, we were excited. To hear Nick Offerman talk about his new role on Amazon Prime's The League of Their Own and consider the famous movie coaches of all time, then we realize that we wouldn't want to play for most of them. Almost every movie, they're like a drunk... No good, who's washed up, doesn't want to be there, and the players hate. And then by the end, things are figured out. But uh, it's not exactly the prime example of someone that you want inspiring you day in and day out. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jordan Renan, Infra Fitz on ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. We asked if you could think of anyone better. There are a couple good ones, mostly from movies I haven't seen. Uh, Rick Moranis in Little Giants apparently was a good character. The O'Shea Coaching Brothers. Um, I mean, you have. I've, I've
2: come to realize you have not seen a lot of. I've movies. not seen a lot you of. You just. It's, you told us you watched Rocky for the first time <laughs> fairly COVID. recently. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. It's a problem. <laughs> and you've never seen. You already said you've never seen. Uh, I've uh, never remember seen. The remember Titans. the
1: Titans. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot of so. movies I've not seen that like everybody saw in their youth. I have seen Dodgeball, and several people said patches O'Houlihan. <laughs> if you <laughs> okay. could dodge dodge a wrench, you could dodge a ball. Uh, yeah, the coach from Bad News Bears was full, like, full on alcoholic. Uh, was what was that? Was that Walter <laughs> yeah. Matthau? Who was that? Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, Trey Wilson as Skip in Bull Durham. A lot of people had him. Someone who uses uh, lollygaggers that much, I think, is is good lollygagging in general. A lot of people uh, went with with him. Um, Lou Brown, uh, I believe that's Major League. Yes, yeah, uh, A lot Lou of people, Brown. a lot of people were down with Lou Brown. Um, Danny Glover I called, is I, George way, Knox. I you
2: didn't notice it, but did you notice that? I mean, I botched, I've i been botching names left and right, including yours. I called him Butterfinger. And yeah, ben it's Buttermaker. Butter Butter, Buttermaker.
1: <laughs> I thought that was a joke. Uh, I gave it to you. I thought you were being silly. Uh, kind of like no, the no, Ayahuasca no. that just uh, Aaron Rodgers Ayahuasca. Hiawaska. hiawaska. Sarah. Sarah, like, Sarah like, I, I, can't, yeah. can't, I can't get this. Yes, yeah. can't get this right. uh, I didn't see Angels in the outfield, but someone said Danny Glover is George Knox. Uh, Coach Carter. I is one uh, people were Coaches into coach Carter it. Ted Lasso now that's a TV show but that is spot on
2: ah yes Ted that's Lasso the, that's the winner right there yes Ted Lasso is yes. a great coach of course I mean again though Ted Lasso though here's the
1: thing I'm such a try hard jerk that I'd be like this guy doesn't even know our sport you know what I mean like even Ted Lasso but he was I was so
2: likable he even yeah, and coach himself beard, to, the, to the guys you know coach that, beard that made up for it soccer yeah. yeah. A
1: lot of people said uh, Coach Taylor and Friday Night Lights, which is also TV. Um, Gene Hackman in Hoosiers. I definitely saw Hoosiers, but I can't remember if he's someone I would want to play for. I mean, I always wanted to run the the picket fence play, but.
2: Yeah, he was like a, he was a little. Uh, that's school? like another old school one yeah. where he's going to work you and make you run until you throw up kind of deal. It does make you better, but, uh, you know, you
1: don't you I don't, you know. don't want to work hard. Yeah, basically. It's not yeah, your style. I
2: mean, maybe when I was younger, I went. To, <laughs> now I'm old and out of shape. Like I, I feel, I feel crappy when I like you know yeah. run a mile. Like my foot hurts still. Like, Gene so, Hackman no, I don't, uh, I don't
1: work was also hard. a coach in The Replacements. Uh, he's one of those that just like comes back again and again. It's like Kevin Costner in baseball movies. Gene Hackman was just like a coach and everything.
2: I guess so. I mean, doesn't doesn't, it, doesn't I don't do know, it for doesn't, you. Yeah, it doesn't do it for me. Ted Lasso the answer. Ted I mean, Lasso was so the down. answer.
1: And I I do think that John Candy in Cool Runnings was a good pull for me. I think he was very inspiring and he was like, you know, wasn't too hard on him. Uh Paul Newman also But he was um, a down
2: and out loser also like. He was time. also like kind of a loser. A, he had to like Yeah, he kinda had to like. Paul get him Newman back. was a
1: weirdo in uh in Slapshot, but he was very hot. So I would take that as a coach. Uh, just okay. for you know, get to look at Paul Newman all day. What do you what do you what do you Thank you. Uh, all right, I don't, let's get to I don't Ask have much to, I don't have much to say on that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> listen, you could admit that Paul Newman's a good-looking dude.
2: He was, you know, yeah. Paul a, Newman, is, you know, very famous, good-looking dude. Had it going dude. on. Good was. Looking,
1: good-looking yeah. guy. Um, all right, so <laughs> great place to start with Ask Jordan. Hold on to your butts, wants to know. What, oh, if anything, yes. have you seen from Daniel Jones that might lead you to believe he's addressed his issues with pocket presence and ball security for the upcoming season? Also, any thoughts on Daniel Bellinger or the tight end position as a whole?
2: It's hard to, you know, that's, that's the thing about training camp. People don't realize, like, you don't really have ball security, like, as something you can gauge. They, right, because they're red, not allowed to touch him or come anywhere near him. You can't yeah. touch him. Like, yeah. the fact that when there is pressure around him, he does seem jittery at times, does leave you still concerned. But, I mean, there's no way to really know about it until he steps on the field into games, which is why all this stuff is fine and dandy that you hear in the summer. But they're going to give Daniel Jones a shot. There's no doubt in my mind. I've spoke to people in the organization about this. They're looking at it and say, hey, we're going to give it a shot, see if we could strike gold here, and if we do, then we don't have to use all these assets to find a quarterback, which is such a hard thing to do. So why not at least take the shot, right? Take the yeah. shot. Maybe we get lucky. And if not, then they go get a quarterback. But to like, put in Tyrod Taylor now, like, what good does that do for the Giants? So they win uh, seven games instead of five or six? You know what I mean? So – yeah, I feel like I, I have to it,
1: tell you that it's Terod Taylor per Terod uh, and his yeah. mom.
2: Nobody nobody calls yeah. him that, though.
1: I know. Even though he said flat out, that's what I want people to call me. Everyone's like, cool, Tyrod. Do you call him <laughs> Talk to Tyrod? you later. I call him yeah. Terod. <laughs> 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 Terod Taylor. Uh, over-under uh, win total for the Giants. I guess we should respect
2: his decision, by the way. <laughs> I
1: mean, in theory, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, over-under is seven games. You going over that's or high, under?
2: by the way. I'm not going over. I You're would say under. that's a ridiculously high number considering the roster except that their schedule is very easy. Like they have the bears at home. I know that hurts for me to say to you, but yeah, know, and the bears look at it. Hey, we can beat the giants, but the bears they have the bears at home. Up. They have the Texans at home. Everybody, they have the Jaguars got on, the bears the on the
1: schedule mentions it first. <laughs> yeah.
2: But bears, Jaguars, Texans, um, Washington twice. Like there's winnable games on the giants. Uh, you know, Carolina week two in their home opener. There's winnable games in the Giants' schedule. So, I think they'll get close to that number, but I would definitely go under. Like, if they have some injuries, forget it. What's the fan base like
1: around that team right now? I mean, I understand that, yeah, I mean, you don't want to just give up and move on again and then make another pick that's not a home run and start the process all over again. But how do they feel? Is is there hope at least around, okay, we got rid of some of the front office guys that we didn't think were doing the right thing, and now we can see a better future?
2: Yeah, I mean, Dave Gettleman – was you could put him up there it, it, historically as one of the worst general managers in NFL history. Like if you look at his moves and what he did to the organization and franchise, like that's what the results say. I mean, they were that bad. So just upgrading there gives fans some optimism. So I think like if the Giants go like seven and 10, I think fans would look at it as, oh, they're moving in the right direction. We at least yeah. have guys we think are comp-. like the bar is really low. Sarah, I mean, it's low, like same with Chicago, right? If they go seven and 10, are people
1: disappointed? Oh my God. No. Are you kidding me? I've got an under on five wins. So (laughs) I'm, I'm not joking. Hey, quick question for you before we let you go and, and the show, uh, what's more likely Daniel Jones or Saquon isn't with the team next year, both not with the team, which one is likely to stick around?
2: I would say, oh my God, neither are with the team. I guess, wow. more more likely. I mean, he is the face of the franchise, and that means something to the ownership.
1: Yeah. Well, it uh, should be a banger of a season for both of us.
2: <laughs> Enjoy
1: football! Coming up, Daniel Jones and Justin Fields are going to join Freddie and Fitzsimmons. Thanks for listening to Spain and Fitzsimmons. <laughs> Thanks to Jordan for filling in.
0: Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.